Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. So when it comes to sex and relationships, do you feel like you're doing it all wrong? Perhaps you want to try to fix things, but you're afraid you'll just make things worse? Well, on today's show, we're going to find out how to stop apologizing for your sexuality and take charge of your love life and start living the sexiest and most fabulous life ever. Oh yeah, this is going to be another one of those amazing shows. But before we get going, let's just take a moment to feature our Throws of Passion waterproof blanket because no one wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not and I have to sleep in the wet spot. (laughs) So if you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our Throws of Passion waterproof blanket. It's 100% waterproof and leak proof and guarantees to keep your bed or furniture dry no matter how wet it gets, even if you're a huge squirter like Carol is. You just have to throw it down and get it on. Throws of Passion will protect any play space from messy massage oils, silicone lubes, or any other sexy wetness. It takes away the worry so you can have more fun. And the best thing is the easy cleanup. When you're done, just throw it in the washer and the dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. Now available in two sizes, jumbo and midsize, you can order yours today on Amazon. Search Throws of Passion. Great sex starts now all right we might be using ours right after this show because i know with our guest today we're gonna have some interesting discussions so this is the sexy lifestyle we are carol and david and we're so excited to welcome today's guest Gigi Engel is a feminist author, certified sex coach, sexologist, and sex educator. She promotes and teaches about pleasure-based sex education, safer sex practices, sexual health, and confidence. And her work regularly appears in many publications, including Brides, Marie Claire, Elle Magazine, Teen Vogue, Glamour, and Woman's Health. All right. Gigi Engel, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you for taking time out of your day for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of the show. Well, that introduction told a lot of people all the things that you're into these days. Can you give us a little bit of background on how you started being a writer and ended up being a sexologist on the way? Sure. Um, I started my career off like in the journalistic space, um, so I majored in, in college. And I've always been really interested in sexuality. I think I'll, I think I thought that I was into it a lot more than other people, and um, definitely had a lot of experimental days growing up in my youth growing up, even though I'm like still in my youth as if I'm <laughs> 20 years old is like old, but like now like in my teen years, like was heavily into more stuff than I think people my age were. And then, um, so I started off writing for a website and started taking out a lot of their sex content cause I was really interested in writing about sexuality and pretty soon that just became kind of my niche area. And then I went freelance, and that took off pretty quickly. And I came up with what 
a book idea, which is we'll talk about later. And then um, on the way, I was kind of interested in getting some more credentials and being more of an expert rather than just someone who reported on sex. So I did a program to get a certification in sex education and sexology, and that was really rewarding and amazing, and I learned so much. I thought I knew, like, so many things (laughs) as a journalist and having read so many studies and constantly doing research, but nothing can really prepare you for um, the professional life, like, academic work. So that was really awesome. And then, yeah, so I've sort of just been going on from there and it's been really great. Now, when you first started writing these articles, were the articles based on your sexual experiences that you had growing up through your teens and 20s or were they just hearsay? Um, No, I mean, a ton of it was, some of it was really research-based and interview-based. Depending on the topic, like, for instance, I wrote an article, one of the first things I did was about uh, if you could make your vagina or your vulva taste differently based on (laughs) things you ate. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, it's kind of not really true. Like, you can't eat pineapple, then your vagina will suddenly taste like a pineapple. Mm -hmm. It's more like lifestyle and stuff. But like, that was very, like, research and fact-based. But then there were, like, you know, there were stories, like, I wrote one that was, like, why being a slut makes you a better person, and then wrote all about, like, my sort of, like, background as just being, like, a big old hoe and how much fun that was and how much like, like I'm with you made me learn about life yeah. so um and did yeah you- so a lot of it was based on, on personal experience and I actually I was in a long-term relationship before my now fiance and I used a lot of my personal stories like from our sex life and he was not a fan of me doing that and eventually that just like was like a big problem in our relationship. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Luckily, now I have a partner who's like, yeah, do whatever you want. I don't care. No, that's very cool. And do you have like a favorite sexologist who mentors you or that you follow very closely? Um, I mean, I follow a lot of really amazing uh, sexologists. I'm really obsessed with Dr. Zana. She's the professor of human sexuality at NYU. She's an amazing sexologist. She's doing this really cool project right now trying to figure out the origin of squirting once and for all, which I think is really cool. And she has all these like new theories. Um, And then I I love Betty Dodson. She's like my hero. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she's awesome. Yeah, and then one of my best friends is uh, Mal Harrison, who runs the Center for Erotic Intelligence. And she's just like this amazing clit pioneer. She's like (laughs) one of the first people to ever have the full and her full entire clitoris, like sonogram. And it's, it's just very cool. And so she's amazing and hilarious and yeah, I follow a lot of people in the community because I think that that's really important to sort of keeping up to date on what's mm-hmm. going on. Because this, you think you know everything about sex, and then the next day something completely revolutionary happens. For G- sure. Gigi, we do a show every week, and we have amazing sex experts on, like yourself. And Carol and I sit here, and we've been swingers. We've been for. 13 years we are in the world of sexuality and we sit there and we listen and we learn and we get educated every every week on things that we thought we knew a lot (laughs) but hell there's so much more we don't know and our show is all about getting information out to people who don't know what they don't know and you know some people ask us how can you be talking about sex on every single week like is don't you just like exhaust everything we go no No. (laughs) it's uh, inexhaustible the topic of sex and sexuality and especially human sexuality it's amazing yeah, that's one of the main questions I've asked on interviews. I think with, I mean, you guys do more of a, are more like in the lifestyle and do a lot of your own interviews. So you know that it changes all the time. But I have people 
on the radio and shows and getting interviewed her just like don't you do you like why how do you come up with new material like how do you keep it fresh and i'm like you have no idea i don't have to even (laughs) try i don't even have to really work on it exactly but it's, it's very cool that you were talking about squirting because um carol discovered squirting about 10 12 yeah. years ago uh-huh. and it, it was she'll talk about it in, in a second but we are so into this uh, squirting female ejaculation that you heard at the beginning of the show we actually uh, came out with a waterproof uh, pleasure blanket which is called throws of passion because we were tired of all those gallons of squirt coming out <laughs> of her ruining our bed and our mattress and, I actually, and our furniture. I actually like stopped doing it because I didn't want to ruin the bed. Like I didn't mind at a hotel or whatever. But when you're holding back, uh, why? You know. So we said, messy sex is great sex. Let's just put something on the bed that's going to protect everything and just go at it. And that was kind of the origin of our waterproof sex blanket, which is doing so well. <laughs> we sell it mostly on Amazon. It's been for sale for almost two years now, and it's doing great. So like I'm sure there's lots of people out there who can definitely use it. Yeah, I had a. I was on a actually in Warsaw on a sexology retreat training thing. We had this whole conversation, like a round table, with on one of our off periods, like a, like what does sexologists talk about? But of course, we're talking about squirting, and we just like went on and on about like how squirting like ruins sheets. So we had this really like <laughs> funny guy who was like on the trip with us, who was like a psychiatrist, and he was like interested in learning about sexology. So he was there, and he was like such a square it was so funny and he was like so interested in all of the squirting stuff and he's like well what do you well, what do you mean like the sheets get ruined like why don't you just put a towel down i was like oh no honey like, you don't even know <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly i mean i remember once we yeah. were at desire carol was sitting on the side of the pool and she like squirted halfway across the pool um based on how turned on and aroused she was and i mean we can do a whole show on squirting and female orgasms and ejaculation i mean later on in the show we're going to talk to you about orgasms which is one of your favorite topics but we'll get into squirting no i was just going to say before we change the topic is that um, i love the fact that you're working with other people who are interested in squirt because the very first time i squirted a long time ago uh, we actually didn't know what was going on. It was almost a little bit scary, like, uh-oh, what is that? It was delicious. I know, exactly. David loves drinking it. But anyways, um, then we asked one of our friends who happened to be a sexologist, like, tw- this is 10, 12 years ago, and she thought it was just something fake that happens on porn. She actually didn't even know where it came from. She couldn't even answer our question. So I'm so glad that it's more, it's a bigger topic now, and of course she knows more now. It's it's much more talked about but even back then, I asked her, and she didn't even know anybody who squirted, and she just thought that was a fake thing on porn. I said, well, no, believe me, it's not. It's real. <laughs> so it was just funny. You know, even the sexologists don't have all the answers. And now you can squirt just by tapping my cock on your clit, mm-hmm. and it just mm-hmm. comes out all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. So, hence, maybe we should move on, right? Let's get on to the topic <laughs> that we came here to talk now about. Now I'm all turned on and erect, <laughs> and I... We're going to have to fuck after the show. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be awesome. But, Gigi, I know that one of your main focuses is pleasure-based sex education, which when you do your uh, educational classes and courses and workshops, you really focus on pleasure. So why don't you expand a little bit more on how you get um, get the word out to make sure that everyone's enjoying themselves during sex? I mean, I it's amazing to me, though, no matter how many times I write about, you know, how important like not how important both partners pleasure is but in heterosexual relationships how female pleasure gets kind of thrown to the wayside and how it's really important that people focus on it and I still constantly am getting questions like I got an email I think it was yesterday where this I can like read you part of it actually if you it's like really it was like all it was like is this one 
it was like talking about how her boyfriend is perfect in every way, but the issue is that the sex is falling short, and I've tried to discuss obvious fixes, but he refuses to have a conversation about it. He also refuses to allow me to masturbate and always ties my hands during sex so I can't stimulate myself. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. What about this comes off as being the perfect yeah. boyfriend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm very confused. So, I mean, when it comes to, like, pleasure, I just think, like, we need to be teaching more pleasure-based sex ed in schools. I mean, sex. I think that pleasure-based sexuality should be taught to children, like, in age-appropriate ways, starting with, like, consent when kids are, like, five or six, mm-hmm. like, up until they're out of high school so people can actually be, you know, better lovers and more sexually aware when they're adults instead of fumbling around because when we don't have that kind of sex education, people automatically default to porn, which isn't porn's fault inherently because, like, it's not designed to be sex education, mm-hmm. but when it's all you have, that's what you go off of. And then nobody's having very good sex because the sex you see in porn is not realistic and right. there's no focus on the clitoris and, and people don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It seems like we can talk about everything, like from our job problems, our parent problems with our parents, like problems you have with anxiety. But if we talk about sex, it's like, oh, no, now you're like the sex person. It's just so weird. It is weird. And that taboo, you know, we keep saying it's got to go away, but and maybe slowly it will. And as we get more and more into sex education in the schools, but I don't know if that's actually happening. Are they actually expanding the sexual education program to include pleasure-based sex? Oh, no, definitely not. If anything, we are backsliding. Sex education, especially in the U.S., is worse now than it was in the 90s. And, And it's not great. It's not particularly great in Europe or other places either. The only place that's really, really good is in Amsterdam, and they have the lowest teen pregnancy rates. They have really comprehensive uh, sex education from, like, primary school up through high school. Kids, like, con- kids carry around condoms. Like, it's no big deal. Like, shaming doesn't really exist. Like, kids are actual, like, sexually well beings. Mm-hmm. And they have the lowest pregnancy rates and the lowest rates in the world and it's just like it's like we have this proof of like an entire country like staring us in the face and we're just like oh no they're stupid we don't that's not right wow well we we just did a great show two shows ago with dr jillian roberts called um well we called it sex education in the digital age and she is a child psychologist and she spoke about exactly what you just said talking in an age-appropriate way to kids very early on in their lives all about respect and consent and self-pleasuring and and all those important things. And one of the big points that she brought out was parents who a generation ago would have the talk with their kids now need to have an ongoing dialogue and discussion with them throughout their their young years uh, into adulthood to make sure that what they're seeing on a day-to-day basis based on the technology and social media and everything they see digitally is properly understood. And sometimes the parents need to talk to people like you, who's a sexologist and a sex coach, about how to properly talk to their kids. So, you know, we have to create this environment where it's first full circle where parents know what to say to their kids and to have that continuing discussion. That's so true. I mean, my, my sister uh, works in the Chicago public school system, and she has wanted me to come in to talk to her students they're seventh graders for like forever and the schools just won't allow it the only places that i'm in that i'm allowed to speak are in colleges where the audience is 18 plus right Uh, like there's no way that like a school board would allow me to come in and 
and have those conversations with kids like the parents. And it's not even just a lot of the parents say that they want sex education. Like I, I can't uh, quote the exact numbers, but like there's a lot of parents who say that they want sex education in school. And then there are parents who say that they want to talk about it at home, but like nothing no, is being put yeah. into place. Like parents aren't talking to their kids mm-hmm. about it. It's not being talked about in schools. And it's, it's just, it's just bizarre because people have it still have this just really weird, completely unfounded notion that if you talk about sex, it makes kids more sexual and makes them want to have sex more. And it's like, that's just not how it works. Mm. Like sex is a fundamental human experience. Like even for people who are asexual, like you still have sexuality when you're born, you're a sexual being. And to pretend that that's not a part of you and like not an inherent need and desire that's ingrained in your DNA is just like completely bonkers to Mm. me. Well, maybe what you should do is have your sister set up an off-location seminar and you actually talk to the parents before you talk to the kids because they probably don't know what they don't know either. Well, the parents wouldn't even come into the classroom to have that conversation. Exactly, because they don't even want to talk about it. They would be like, they would legit be like, fuck no. Plus, if they went on like any of, like, I'm not exact. I don't even know if like I'm particularly the right I know I could be very influential for children, but given like my public image and mm-hmm. sort of like the articles that I've written and some of the more raunchy content that I have on the web and videos that I'm in that are like pretty, not mm-hmm. like for me, they don't seem aggressive to me, but talking about the prostate mm-hmm. to like a parent who doesn't even want their kid to talk about sex, they're going to be like, right. oh, hell no, this girl's not getting anywhere near my kid. And even when we spoke with Jillian, so, when we spoke with Jillian Roberts, she's a child psychologist. So like, like you said, she has the background for it, but she's also written many books as well. So it, if anybody's out there listening and wanting to know where you can get some more information because it's not coming from the schools, then there are definitely books online and uh, you can check out Jillian Roberts from our website. But for your, um, your uh, the issues, the things that you talk about, even at 18 years old, because that's the, the age that you're allowed to talk to them at college age, that's still good. It's still fresh. There's still the need there. And especially at that age, they're very curious because they probably are all having sex by then. And they want to know how to have better sex and make sure that they are uh, including pleasure with their partner, especially the female partners or those that have vulvas, to uh, enjoy as much as they can. So you know, don't give up. Even though it's not young age, I still think 18 years old is still plenty of time to learn all those great stuff. I, I mean, I definitely have no intention of giving up on it. It was <laughs> It's actually interesting because I thought, I went into this, um, into a college class to talk about, um, in the Chicago area, to talk about uh, what I thought we were going to be talking about was consent because the professor had reached out to me and said that he was like really alarmed by how little his like college age students knew about consent. Like, not understanding that you could revoke consent, like not realizing like being drunk meant that you can't give consent, like really like sort of like things that you think are basic, but are really not. And when I went into the class, it was like, we didn't even end up talking about consent really because we were too busy talking about like, like what a clitoris is Mm. and like, and like where, and I had a girl email me from the class, like a couple, like a couple days later asking me like where she could get affordable birth control. And I had to like, find a Planned Parenthood near her and send her the information because she had so little information on how to get birth control. She didn't even know what a Planned Parenthood was, I don't think. Wow. Well, I love the fact that it's all getting out there. So that is just amazing. So let's talk a second about what you mentioned. You started talking about a little bit earlier, which was um, self-pleasuring or masturbation. And I know um, teens growing up um, try to or want to get into having sex and we were talking the other day about if you don't know your own body, how can you 
tell somebody else what you like and have great sex. So, um, Gigi, tell us a little bit about your coaching and your teachings on self-pleasuring and how important it is. Yeah, I mean, I love masturbation. Like, I think it's one of the most important things that we should be private behavior because you know a five-year-old's gonna probably like be masturbating like on the playground and not know what they're doing but like you know starting off with a conversation where it's like it's not uh you know shame and that way kids like have the opportunity to explore their bodies because like especially for young women who like don't see clitoral stimulation in pornography don't hear what a clitoris is like definitely don't hear the word clitoris in a sex ed classroom like learning about your body and masturbating is like the ultimate tool you have for your own sexual autonomy. If you don't know how to bring yourself to orgasm or how to give yourself sexual pleasure, like you can't expect a partner to do that. Mm -hmm. And especially with sex ed being like the state of what it is in this country, like there's very little you can expect from any partner because they are probably as clueless as you are. So it's important to encourage young women not to be, and instead of slut shaming them to actually like explore their bodies so they can have satisfactory sex lives because you have all these, you have tons of women who are in these like sexless marriages or these marriages where they're like relationships where they're like, I'm not having orgasms. I don't really get it. Like, why don't I orgasm during penetration? And it's like, no, that's just, it's just not even how it works. And like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I write about this in my, in my book that's coming out in January, but I, I have like a very radical idea that like, I mean, in my opinion, and not in my opinion, I don't think it's radical in my opinion, but to some people, they think it's radical. Every, all of my sex things, I'm like, that's not weird. And people are like, no, that's not <laughs> But I, I personally, like, I personally think that moms should be buying their, like, teenage daughter's vibrator. I agree with that. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And that would be, like, an incredible gift. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because, like, like I've said before, like, there's, not, like, if you give a, chi- a child or, like, a young person, like, access to pleasure and sexuality, it doesn't, like, make them more sexual and go out and have a risky sexual behavior. It makes them more aware of their own bodies, more aware of their safety Mm -hmm. and much more aware of how to bring themselves to orgasm and how to ask for pleasure. Because when we live in a society that constantly tells women that they're supposed to be beholden to like a man or beholden to their partner for sexual pleasure and not in control of it themselves, it makes for unsatisfactory sex lives because they don't think they can ask for what they want. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And when they know what they want, because sometimes they can't ask for what they want because they don't even know. And But if they are like given the permission to explore their bodies and they know what they want, it just comes out more natural to ask for it. It just feels like it's okay to say, hey, this is what I like. Uh, whereas I remember myself at that age, if a guy said, hey, what do you like? I would say, because I didn't know. I say, oh, I like everything. But really, it's because I didn't know. I didn't do masturbation when I was younger. I actually really only started masturbating in my 30s. And that might be very strange for everybody who knows how sexual I am today. But I just didn't know anything about sexual pleasure at an early age. And in general, having sex, fucking, eating pussy, sucking cock is supposed to be pleasurable. And if you can't tell the person who's doing that to you, whether they may, whether they be same sex or not, how are they going to know what to do? And, and we as swingers, you know, we love foursomes and morsums and orgies. And we learned really, really early on in our uh, swinging uh, lifestyle 
that we need to tell the person who we're playing with because they're new to us. Carol knows how to suck my cock. She knows what I like. I I know how to eat her pussy. But another guy who's playing with her will not. So she has to be able to tell him, I want it here, harder, faster, softer, two fingers, one finger. I need to tell the woman, you know, I like it on the head of my cock, wet, up, down, tighter, softer, whatever. But in a monogamous relationship, we have to be able to do that as well. And that's why self-pleasuring is so important. And, you know, we, we always relate it to if you're getting a massage and someone's massaging your shoulders and at the beginning it feels good, um, but 10 minutes later they're doing the same thing again and again and it doesn't feel good. If you don't tell them that it's not feeling good, they're going to keep doing that because they don't know any better. Exactly. It's like if you don't know what you want, there's no way you're going to ever get what you want. And if you don't ask for what you want, you're definitely not going to get what you want. So it's like empowering young people to and everybody to go out there and explore and to have and give people the confidence and permission to actually ask for what they want. Cause it doesn't just like, it doesn't just screw up females and like women, young women. It also like fucks up got men because yeah. when we have these like standards where men aren't supposed to like be okay with being asked to do something different mm-hmm. or they're like not, they're told to do it one way from porn and it's not working. And then a female partner or any partner is like, that's not really how I want it. They're like, Oh no. And now I'm mad. And it's yeah. like, that's just, no, that's not helpful <laughs> for anyone. And no one is having good sex when you do that. And I remember when I first started exploring masturbation and trying all different uh, sex toys. And actually, when I met David, um, we were in our second marriage. And when I met David, and we did a lot of sexual exploration at that time, I really felt the sexual awakening after I met him. We tried so many different sex toys. But then when I found that womanizer, because until you try it, you have no idea what it is, right? And then the the womanizer, which has an air technology, it's a different type of technology that kind of feels like it's sucking on your clit. It's like, holy crap, how come I didn't find this 10 years ago? Like, oh my God, it was so amazing. I absolutely, absolutely love the womanizer. Rumor has it that Gigi likes the womanizer too. Oh. Yeah, I'm actually a, a sexpert with womanizer uh-huh. and I I only really do stuff like this with brands that I'm really obsessed with. And so um, I when I first discovered the womanizer, it was like completely mind boggling because like, it looks so funny looking. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like, you know, a little, it's like it's, it's a weird a little sphere with like a little, it looks like one of those like baby thermometers that you can put in a baby's ear. <laughs> yes, yes. And I was like, this is, I was like, what the hell? And I like gave it a go. It was like the weirdest experience. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's like nothing ever. And like 60 seconds later, you're like having an orgasm. Right. Like, what is happening? <laughs> and so, yeah, I was, I'm obsessed with those toys. And I think those are such an amazing thing tool for like, cause I think vibrators can be, there's so many different kinds and so many different vibrations and so many different power levels that, that it can be, it's definitely like, oh, they're amazing, but they're, I think they can be a little bit overwhelming. So yeah. I feel like trying womanizer can actually be like, oh, wow, like, oh, that's what an orgasm is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people who have never had an orgasm before, I think that that can be very revolutionary because it's really, really simple to use, super straightforward and like it. it gets the job done. I mean, can't say that for every single person because like not every person even has orgasms but like for i think for the vast majority of people it's like a pretty surefire thing absolutely and i guess um we've been promoting womanizer for a long time and we should shout out to samantha and helen and kitty we hope you're all doing great and uh, hopefully we'll see you at one of the sex expositions in the near future but you guys uh, do an amazing job and uh, guys um, when we're talking when the girls are talking about womanizer 
you guys have nothing to do. This is all about the girls. It's all about them. Carol and I um, normally use the womanizer after we fuck. So, you know, we fuck. Carol's had a couple of orgasms. And then she takes out the womanizer. And, you know, you're like sucking my cock. And you put the womanizer on your clit. And you pop off five or six more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and well, and, and it's, it's like... I do it sometimes, too. That's yeah. actually one of my favorite things. They have the, the new uh, womanizer that's like the... The G-Spot stim- has a G-Spot mm-hmm. simulator mm-hmm. and, like, the sucking thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we it's, have like, it. my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, of course you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's just, like, the it's the best. It's so, um, it's amazing for, like, after sexual, simu- like, suck- after intercourse, like, to have a couple more orgasms. Even if you don't even have, if you don't even have an orgasm during intercourse, it can still be very pleasurable. But sometimes you're, like, okay, well, now I'd like to finish. And it's, like it's amazing i love that i love that fucking thing. and i really feel that after sex like when david is just recuperating after sex and he watches me you know play with myself and and you know use a womanizer and pop off a few more it gets him turned back on again and his refractory period is actually yeah, a lot shorter we're ready for round two <laughs> exactly so it does a couple things you know it's great it makes you feel good makes you have a few more orgasms and it turns him on at the same time so it's all good we love that womanizer Oh my god! Yeah, there's one like message I want to give out like all male listeners. It's just like sex toys are not a replacement for men, and there's like nothing hotter to a woman than a man who's like obsessed with your sex toys. So be into them. Yeah, absolutely. I guess this is a great time to take a quick break. We are talking with sex coach Gigi Engel all about pleasure-based sex, and when we come back, we're going to find out more about Gigi's journey as an author when we hear all about her new book. So this is The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David, and we'll be right back after this. All right, let's remind everyone, or let's invite everyone to join us as we broadcast from the world's most iconic adult playground, Hedonism 2 in Negril, Jamaica, August 18th to 25th for the inaugural Hedo event, which is the Miss Nude Showgirls and Pole Dance Stars. And we'll be there with the sexy, fun costume parties all week long, which are hosted by the international Miss Nude semifinalists, who will then compete for the grand title by performing in the exotic nude talent show on August 24th. So come root for your favorite girl and bring your own exotic costumes to join the party. That's Hedonism 2 Resorts in Jamaica. Head to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, for more information about this and other events. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be a great time. We love being on the beach in the grill. All right, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're having an amazing discussion with author and sex educator Gigi Engel, all about all sorts of hot topics surrounding sex and sexuality. And now we're going to dive into her new book. So I love your summary of your book, which appears um, in your website, which says, stop apologizing for your sexuality and take charge of your life. And I guess that's the backbone of your book. And I'm going to let you introduce your new book to everybody. Sure. Uh, my new book comes out January 21st, and it is called, <laughs> it is called, it is called All the Fucking Mistakes. And it is a, it, All the Fucking Mistakes, A Guide to Sex, Love, and Life. And it is all about uh, sort of embracing your inner slut power and really taking charge of your sexuality. And, you know, it talks all about masturbation, the full structure of the clitoris, buying your first vibrator, getting into more kinky stuff, if that's what you're into, um, all the way through, like, different types of lube, like STIs, like sex, safer sex, and those sort of topics. And then it also gets into more of, like, getting the relationships that you want and, like, not settling for mediocre bullshit in love and being just the best 
amazing you that you can be without any apologies and just sort of learning from your life lessons and being your awesome self and exploring and loving every minute of it. Now, I love the title, All the Fucking Mistakes, because we all make mistakes. I mean, humans are not perfect, and by, I guess, by definition. And, you know, we're always curious about what other people's mistakes are, too. And that, like, are we alone with our mistakes, or everybody else fucking it up also? I love that kind of concept. So it kind of brings you into a family or community already when you just read the title, which I think that's, it's a great um, essence behind your book. But do you actually talk about mistakes that people make in the book? Um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, a, it's kind of like in sort of the overarching, over, basically overarching based on kind of like the questions I've gotten from readers in the past, like, you know, how do I buy my first vibrator? Like, can I get addicted to a vibrator? Like, what do I do if I want to try King for the first time? I don't know what I want to And kind of like, it's sort of like a guide to, yeah, so it's sort of a guide to love, it's a guide to sex, and it's like, it's sort of a way to look at these sort of generalized mistakes that a lot of people make so that people who read the book will hopefully either not make the same mistakes, will make the same mistakes and feel like they have a guide to get through them, or will, will be people who have, you know, made a lot of the mistakes that are in the book that are very relatable and will be like, oh, okay, like, that's all right, like, that's just life, instead of feeling like isolated or alone or weird. Yeah, exactly. And now people always love to hear the other people's mistakes and either, like you said, by not doing them, but do you have like, like, like perhaps two favorite mistakes that you talk about that people make during sex? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not really like mistake focused. It's more like, it's more based like in my personal experiences and then goes into a more generalized guide about sex, love and life. I, I would say as far as like mistakes people make, it's kind of like not knowing your body, not knowing the full structure of the clitoris, mm -hmm. not asking mm -hmm. your partner for what you want mm -hmm. and kind of generalized tools on like how to get through those. Um, one of my favorite mistakes like wasn't sex based and it was like, it's an, a chapter called forgiving yourself for the stupid stuff you did while you were drunk. And it's <laughs> like all, about, it's all about like my like stupid drunk hookups and like how I like such a fuck girl in college and would like go on dates just so that guys would pay for dinner oh, and then would, do that like, too. never call them again. It was <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like all this kind of stuff like that. And like, I think that like, you know, young women will read that and be like, oh, yeah, I guess I probably shouldn't do that. Right. And then at the same time, it's like when you go through the hangover, like shame spiral, and you're like, oh, they ruined my life, and my friends are never going to forgive me because I fell off that table, and I'm like, I kissed that guy, and they're going to gonna think I'm such a weirdo. And then it's like, oh, wait, like, no, it's actually not that big of a deal. Like, you're just hungover. Right. Oh, yeah. And probably they were so drunk, they don't remember you doing it either. You know, it's the same thing. And do you Yeah, that's the thing I always tell people. I'm like, you have to remember that, like, you're out of the bars, and, like, you blacked out, and we're being, like, a tragic mess. Like, nine times out of ten, everyone else was, too, and doesn't remember. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's absolutely true. And, Gigi, do you think faking orgasms is a mistake? Oh, yeah. I talk about that. That's what I'm talking about that in the book. I think it's, like, a it's like a cardinal rule to not fake orgasms because when you get into a fake orgasm loop, and I've written a million advice columns on this. It's like you get into a loop where you then are faking orgasms once and then you feel like you just an orgasm again because you did it the first time. And then your partner thinks you like something that you don't like or is 
doing something that isn't quite getting you there, but it's like almost getting you there, but thinks it's enough, but it's not. And so if you fake an orgasm, you're not just doing yourself a disservice, you're doing your partner a disservice, and you're doing all of their future partners a disservice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in that loop for quite a while in my love life. And the hardest thing is to get out of the loop. So I don't know if you have some great advice on how to get out of the loop. How do you actually tell your partner after doing it for years that you didn't actually get off on those moves? How do you tell them after all that time? I mean, I think this is kind of where like having a couples therapy or like a relation or a sex coach, like the stuff that I do really comes in handy, but it all kind of starts with being honest and having open communication and being willing to have those really difficult conversations because like you probably are going to hurt somebody's feelings like telling them that and that's kind of inevitable and it has you have to have the conversations though because you can't go the rest of your life not having orgasms Mm -hmm. so like really coming from a place of empathy and being like you know starting with stuff that you really like that's super positive that they do and then bringing up sort of the more not necessarily negative but the more complex uh aspects of where you weren't having orgasms or something that they could do that would be more intense or suggest trying toys suggest trying different things in the bedroom so you can actually get yourself to that orgasmic place as opposed to just being like you've never given me orgasms Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you're the worst Mm -hmm. like because that's not going to get you the orgasms pretty much like the ultimate goal is to make you have a real orgasm. So think about the way you're going to approach a conversation that is going to get you the orgasm instead of just into a fight. No, I think that's a great idea. And even if you had a sex toy, for example, like a womanizer that you could, um, or maybe not a womanizer because you want him to be able to do it for you, that actually gets you to the orgasm and they say, oh, honey, wow, that felt really good. And maybe we should do that more often. And then then later, hey, why don't you try that? But with your fingers this time and in that kind of thing, uh, probably fun, would yeah. be uh, the right way to go about it instead of not saying anything like I did, <laughs> right? That's exactly. the way, that's the bad well, way of going about it. I actually I use the the womanizer like as an example. Like I don't I ha- obviously I have lots of orgasms with my fiance, but like I wanted him to try doing that kind of like rhythmic sucking motion that the womanizer does, uh-huh. and I was like I showed him the womanizer itself, like put it on his hand so that he could feel how it does it, and right. then like had him mimic it, and that's like a really good learning tool, because like now he's really good at that. Oh, wow, there you go. Well, David was already really good at it to start off with, so I don't think there's a whole lot of improvement going on. Thank you, hon, but I do have to tell you, the other day when you were, the other day when you were giving me a blowjob, uh-huh. and I told you I came in your mouth, uh-huh. I faked it. Oh, so, okay. All right. I'm glad you. I'm glad you let. So that all out. that cum that ended up in your mouth, <laughs> it was wasn't fake. real. It yeah, wasn't. Oh, exactly. it was just fake. Okay. <laughs> How well. do guys fake orgasms? <laughs> have you met anybody like that, Gigi? Um, that men have fake. When men have fake orgasms? Yeah. yeah. Well, they have to be wearing. Uh, a condo. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely had uh, guys. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't necessarily say like openly said like I faked an orgasm, but more like they feel like they can't. You, they can't get to an orgasm uh, or they're like, they're not going to finish from sex. And so they'll either say that they came or they'll like sort of without saying anything, kind of switch and be like giving their partner oral sex or we'll be like, Oh, like I'm just going to jack off and like you should use your vibrator or something like that because they don't feel like sex is stimulating enough. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to talk to their partner mm-hmm. about the fact that like they need more stimulation. And a lot of that stems from like, watching a lot of porn and using like a really tight grip on your penis. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not going to be like, if you do that for long enough, like you are going to be 
less sense. It's like a, you're going to need more stimulation than just a vagina or like a mouth. And mm -hmm. so it's like teaching guys how to like retrain themselves to be like, Sure. And you know, Carol. Able to experience softer touch. Carol and I have great sex. We fuck regularly. And there are times where, you know, we can be going at it. And I, I, I just feel like whatever we're doing, I, it's not going to bring me to orgasm. And we just stop. And Carol says, well, you know, why don't you just stroke your cock or why don't I masturbate? And we do it a little bit differently. It doesn't have to be that we're fucking and I come in her pussy or I come in her mouth. She loves when I come on her tits. And sometimes she finds it very um, erotic when I'm stroking my cock. She just sits there and watches or licks my balls. And it's just a different way of having an orgasm. It doesn't have to be penis and vagina. Well, it's also just yeah, I mean, variety. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. Sorry. I think that that's part of that's part of like what we need to be teaching people. It's like there's this weird. It's, I guess it's not weird, but it's like to me, it's like, ugh, are we still really doing this? Like hierarchy of like where intercourse is like the the ultimate goal, and that's like the ultimate sex act. And it's like it doesn't even it doesn't even bring most women to orgasm unless there's some kind of manual stimulation happening at the same time. And like a lot of people don't even really like intercourse that much because there's a gazillion other things you can be doing, mm -hmm. and all sex acts are valid sex acts. So mm -hmm. that's putting so much pressure on yourself because it's just ruining the whole experience. Well, Carol very rarely comes when we're fucking. No, but if anything, it's when I'm riding you because I know how to grind my pussy, which is then stimulating my clit. If yeah, I... and then you squirt and orgasm yeah, at the same exactly. time. Yeah, exactly. So when I'm on top and in control, I can actually press, I can ride him and also be stimulating my clit at the same time. And then I know how to control that and I can make myself come at that and time. And I'm playing with your tits and nipples and, and, and you and just got everything And going. you're doing nothing. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah, I mean, the only time it. I ever have like intercourse orgasms as if like I'm using coital alignment technique and like or if I'm using a vibrator like in missionary right. mm -hmm. so it's like that's like the only time it's happening mm -hmm. exactly and, and I feel like there's I, I still get a million questions like so many questions every month like of people being like I'm not orgasming during intercourse like why and I'm like Ugh. yeah yeah that's because we need to teach those things. So I'm so happy that you're out there telling the world. And we we have these shows that we can tell the world all this information where they can go and read your books and, and get more information from your website and uh, coaching or whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I guess it's time for another break. Let's just remind everybody that we are Carol and David and that we are with author and sexologist Gigi Engel talking about relationships and all the fucking mistakes that we all make. And when we come back, we're going to be getting into our favorite segment called Great Sex Matters. Yes, we are. All right. This segment of The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David is sponsored by the STC Croatian Cruise. Get ready to experience STC's famous foam parties, dex parties, and erotic live shows or simply savor all the amazing sexy couples that STC has to offer. And we're going to be there, too. And departing from Venice, Italy, August 29th, 2020, for seven sensual nights and eight glorious days of visiting some of the most historic cities in Europe throughout Croatia and, Eastern, and the Eastern Mediterranean. Come party with us on a ship full of open-minded, sexy couples and find yourself swept up into a dream world of such incredible beauty and sensuality that'll take your breath away. For more information about this trip or any other events, visit the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. All right. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're going to remind you for real credible information covering all topics of sex, sexuality, and relationships to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com. All right. On we go. Uh, we have been chatting with sex coach and author Gigi Engel, and now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. 
So Gigi's been teaching and writing about sex for a long time now. So we're going to get her to do a little educational segment with us right here, right now. And hopefully we're all going to learn something new. So I'm going to ask the first question, Gigi, great sex matters, but why do we push for better sex? Um, I think I think we push for better sex because sex is amazing and orgasmic potential is pretty limitless. And having better sex is like you. It's like uh, having better sex is like when you have like plain ice cream and plain ice cream is amazing and you love it. But then maybe you want to try some whipped cream on top of it because that sounds like it would be an extra added thing. Or you're like, oh, I want to have some sprinkles on there because that sounds like extra explosive. And we're really explorative creatures as human beings. And I think like pushing for better sex and trying new things is sort of in our nature. We we do it in every other aspect of our lives. Like, for instance, if you're a marathon runner and you like get like a 10 minute mile and you're like, I want to have like a nine minute mile and you push yourself and you want to try more stuff. And I think that that's just kind of inherently how humans are. We're just curious. Curious and explore. I mean, we definitely humans love to explore. So I guess the next question we want to ask, oh wait, I'm going to do it it because it's all about boys. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All about boys. (laughs) And it's really um, an up and coming thing. And we were talking about squirting and G spots and, orgasms and clits and all that but i want to take a second to talk about you being like a dick whisperer (laughs) and let's get into how important the prostate and what pegging is doing for males and orgasms today sure i mean i think the prostate is like the unsung unsung like male body pleasure like in the entire universe like we call it the male g-spot um like for a reason because it's just like amazing pleasure area pleasurable area that we like don't get that doesn't get enough attention because it requires putting something in your butt and we have this incredibly ingrained homophobia in our culture where it's like oh if I put something in my butt like it's gonna make me gay and it's like well first of all there's nothing wrong with being gay but second of all if you put something in your butt and you are gay I promise it wasn't because you put something in your butt (laughs) like I can assure you so like the prostate is this like it's like this walnut shaped gland it's a few inches inside of the anal inside of the anus and it's like when you stimulate it with either a prostate toy or fingers or whatever you use it can increase orgasm and studies have shown it can be up to 33 percent new research is coming out all the time that it might be like even more than that and like as my brother says who um he is like a very popular uh very big fan of uh the uh, the prostate. <laughs> He's like this fabulous gay guy. That <laughs> He's like, I promise you there is no orgasm like a prostate orgasm. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, you go. Um, you do your thing. Uh, and yeah, so I think that the prostate is just like incredible pleasure tool. And like, it makes me like, frustrated when like guys don't want to like give that kind of exploration a try because I'm like, you don't know what you're missing. Oh, absolutely. And and I just want to talk to the guys out there because there's this guy thing that is, oh, I can't wait to do my wife or my girlfriend up the ass. Okay. I love anal sex. I'd love to try it. And then she says, okay, you know, let's try it. And then she says, well, how about if I do it on you? And we're just talking within um, a, a monogamous monog- relationship with a heterosexual couple and I don't get, like you were just saying, why a guy feels if their loving partner, girlfriend wants to put on a strap-on or even use a little toy and play with them in their ass, 
why it is so against what they believe in. It is the most pleasurable experience. I have the most amazing orgasms when we are playing both of us with um, Carol's clit or my prostate. And it is just, it, it adds such a different dynamic to having great sex. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes, it goes back to the sort of ingrained homophobia that we have where it's like there's this toxic masculine culture where it's like, oh, the man has to be the man and he has to like do the fucking and be like the penetrator. And then if like you, if any sort of deviation from that role happens, it suddenly becomes this like scary thing where it's like, is my, is my wife going to think I'm like less of a man? I, will she ever be able to see me the same way if like she like uses a strap on on me? And it's like, there's, it's like the exact opposite is true. If you're a man who's like really comfortable with the sexuality and actually explore explorative, which is very sexy and actually wants to try new levels and new terrains of pleasure. Like that's pretty much the manliest thing you can do. Like that's extremely, extremely cool and very, very sexy. And it's the way less, like it doesn't seem very manly to be like, I'm scared of that because it might make me gay. <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? No. When you turn it around like that, that just makes so much sense. But when you have your loving partner who, I mean, Carol has gorgeous tits and a great body. And when she's playing with my prostate and my ass and at the same time stroking my cock and I'm playing with her tits or she's kissing me, I mean, it's, it. we have. That's the, very masculine, believe me. We have, it's very masculine. It is, but we have the most amazing orgasm. She gets so turned on. Sometimes, you know, she has her womanizer or toy that she's playing in her pussy, and we have all the different orifices going at the <laughs> same time, and it's just amazing, amazing um, erotic sex. Exactly. I mean, I think that it's like having more of those conversations and more open conversations, especially like men between other men. If like we could have, if they could actually have, you guys could have those conversations with each other more mm -hmm. openly in a more widespread way. Mm -hmm. Like that would be a more normalized way of looking at sexuality as opposed to just like every guy wants to just like have anal sex with his girlfriend, but like, and then nobody wants to talk about it going the other way mm -hmm. when really it's like, if you're in a partnership and if you want to have anal sex with like your partner, like if you want to be the um, your person with a penis and you want to have anal sex with a female partner, it's like you should be willing to have it go the other way. Otherwise, right. you don't really have much of a right to even be asking. <laughs> Correct. I agree. With and that. yeah, definitely when you're when you're with someone who you like really love and you like try that kind of stimulation, like it, um, prostate stimulation, it is very manly. It is very sexy. Like there's nothing like like really feminine about it. I mean, like we all have masculine and feminine energy inside of us, but it's like, it's not, there's no like all of a sudden you're like some wimpy little, like, whatever Just version be, yeah. you think you're going to be because you did that. Like it's right. very masculine. Right. It's, very hot exactly. yeah. and, and couples out there men women just remember talk about it first don't just all of a sudden shove something up there and the person doesn't know it's coming because that's yeah. gonna cause oh, God, an awkward no. moment <laughs> yeah, and use lots so. of lube yeah so. that is gonna be really really bad definitely do not do any anal play without having like a full discussion of what you are and are not going to do like reading up and learning about anal preparation because the anus does not lube itself the way a vagina does like, don't just buy, like, a medium-sized butt plug because you wear medium-sized shirts because you're, you're right. going to damage yourself. <laughs> That's all good, good like, advice. And yeah. You do, and you don't like, want to tear. And make sure that you don't use an anesthetic-type lube. A lot of people think that that's the right thing to do. Definitely not. You could hurt yourself and, no, never, never and not know it. That. So that's great. 
So yeah, I definitely c- never never use numbing lube. Uh, I've had friends in the past who have told me that using numbing lube for anal stuff is like a really good idea, and I'm like, never no, do that. No. You will end up with anal tearing yeah, and you'll exactly. ruin your butt. Yeah, no, we also we also advise Yo. on that as well. So I can remember many years ago in the literature, and you know, as I was learning about sexuality, that the G spot was in the top of the news, and and probably in the last five years the clit has kind of taken over in that space of uh, talking about sexuality and sexual pleasure because um, not that they just discovered that the clit is a much bigger organ than this little tiny clitoris, the head of the clitoris, which we used to think was the clit and, you know, which was the button that you definitely don't want to keep pushing that button. It's not like an elevator. It's not going to come faster if you keep pushing it. But we know now that the clit is actually a very big organ of erectile tissue, almost as much erectile tissue or even the same as a penis would have, that it's in you know, embedded inside the vulva. So now that we talk so much more about the clitoris and what it does, I feel that the G-spot's not being talked about at all anymore. And in your learnings and your, what you've, all the courses you've taken and what courses you give, do you still talk about the G-spot? Yeah, I absolutely do. I mean, the G-spot, as we've discovered more about the internal clitoris, is actually not its own thing. It's a part of the whole clitoral structure. It's the back end of the clitoris. It's the it's the apex, the back end of it behind the pubic bone. So when I talk about the G-spot, it's less about being like, the G-spot is this like spot. It's like the G-spot is the back of the clitoris, and this is how you reach it internally through the vaginal canal. So G-spot is definitely a thing. It's definitely a part of the clitoris. But it's also like moving away from the word spot. And I like to think of it more of like the G-spot area, because like a lot of people's um, G-spots are more like widespread. They're larger than other people's and like that kind of pressure can be pinpointed it can be more in a massaging motion and so it's like not so much moving away from the g-spot but understanding that it's all a part of this like internal clitoral structure yeah absolutely so i'm so glad that you clarified that and i know that when i first really learned how to orgasm with david uh, he most often did it with two fingers inside pushing upwards and then also licking quite firmly on the top as he was doing oral sex at the top on my on my clitoris the head and around and so I realized only after I learned about the structure of the clitoris that he's actually pushing from below and pushing from the top. And that's why the clitoris was getting so stimulated. And I have all those amazing orgasms but now we've during learned, oral sex. Right. But now we've learned even more that the whole um, vulva legs area. and the, uh, the clitoris and the vulva area needs to be massaged and needs to be aroused and all the blood has to be brought there. And once that's done, then you have even more amazing orgasms because the complete clit is engorged and and not just the head. Right. Exactly. It would be like, it would be exactly the same thing as if like you were stimulating a penis and the only thing you were touching were the head of the penis. Mm -hmm. Like you could probably get an erection that way and maybe even have an orgasm that way, but it's not going to be as great if you engage the entire, the entire penis and the balls and the perineum and even the prostate. And that's kind of like, a a kind of an interesting way to think about it because like our anatomy is much more analogous than we think. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that now. We didn't know that before. Even growing up, I had no idea. Well, I mean, we didn't really know the full structure of the clitoris even at all until 1998. Mm -hmm. It's like shockingly recent. Yeah, exactly. And I'm there like, how can that be? Like, I'm still, you know, mind boggled by that fact that we didn't know it was there. Right. <laughs> I just don't believe it. I think we did know it was there, but nobody said anything, right? I mean, people didn't even know that the little 
the, the clitoral glands were the thing that brought women to orgasm until like God knows, like way too long ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, too, 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 too. <laughs> I mean, not soon enough. Right, exactly. <laughs> it should have been a lot long ago. A lot longer ago is what you're trying to say. No, I agree with you 100. percent So now that we know that the clitoris is actually a full organ and the G spot is a part of it that you access, like you said, the the bottom part of the apex of the the clitoris, and we know that we have to stimulate the whole organ of the clitoris in order to have amazing orgasms, that's kind of the whole key to it. So everybody keep that in mind. Make sure you're doing it. You can, you know, get more information from, from Gigi's books and on their courses and everything else. But that's what the takeaway today is that clit is a good thing to play with all the whole area. I guess we're coming Absolutely. I guess we're coming to the end of our show and we would like to leave our audience with some wonderful advice from Gigi. So how about if we ask you this question for couples who think they have a good sex life, what are the top two things they might want to try in order to push the boundaries towards having a great sex life? I think if you have a good you have a good sex life and everybody's, you know, having orgasms and is satisfied with everything that's going on but would like to try you know some more adventurous things um i definitely think getting some sex toys involved in your sex life is very important um i recommend getting a finger vibrator to start a dame products make some really great stuff that are really you know benign and great and sex toys are just like such an enhancement definitely suggest like trying some prostate play if you can get yourself into that headspace um and there's so many prostate toys that like aren't scary because i think that a lot of the one of the biggest deterrents is they're like oh i don't want to put like a dildo up there and it's like get something small like the aneros i mean it looks like an index finger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i mean it doesn't, it's not the color of an index finger but it has that same kind of shape and mm-hmm. it's like it's so small and like easy to use yeah um so those would be my two biggest ones i think and then also if you want to get a little more frisky like Try a little kink stuff. Like, try tying each other up. You don't have to buy a bunch of expensive equipment. You can use a T-shirt and just, like, t- tie someone's wrists with it, and it really adds an element of, like, dangerousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Add some passion to the evening. That's the way you do it. Kill off one of those senses or touch or even a blindfold is something exciting. Do it in a different room. Do it in the car. Do it where people might see you. Just <laughs> add some spice. Push your boundaries and explore your fantasies. Yeah, I always say for couples like to make a sexual bucket list. And it doesn't even have to be like super crazy. It can just be like two or three things that you're interested in trying or that you fantasize about. And then compare notes and kind of go over which of the things you guys would be willing to try together. Mm, that's a great advice. Fantastic. I like that a lot. All right, Miss Gigi Angle, that was an absolutely amazing show. Thank you so much for all your great sexy advice. Why don't you take a minute and tell everyone how they can find you online, on social media, and um, again, when your book's going to be available and where they can pre-order it. Thanks, you guys, for having me. It was really amazing. Um, my website is MissGigiAngle.com, and you can pretty much find everything there, my advice column uh, ask Gigi. You can find a link to where you can buy my book, which is called All the Fucking Mistakes. It's out January 21st. That's MissGigiAngle.com. And if you want to follow me on social media, I'm Gigi Angle on Instagram, Twitter, and then Gigi Angle Writer on Facebook. So follow me on social. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter through my website at MissGigiAngle.com. There's a little button that says newsletter. And I love your website. You got so much great information there. So I encourage everybody to go check it out. 
And we are learning more and more every week with all our fantastic sexpert guests, and we hope you do too. Uh, you can visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, for find incredible information about sex and sexuality. And remember to sign up on sdc.com if you're looking for an open-minded online community to meet other sexy people and find out where the events are happening near you. If you use promo code 30314, you'll be able to get the first month free, so check it out. And let's remind everyone once again to join us at Hedonism 2 on the Grill Beach in Jamaica, which is a clothing optional resort for the amazing Miss Nude Showgirls and Pole Dance Stars, August 18th to 25th, where you can root for your favorite girl and bring your own exotic costumes and join the party. For more information about this trip or anything else, visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or simply send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Well, that's it for another fantastic show today. Thank you, Gigi Engel, so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, where we talk about sex and sexuality and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David.